Welcome to the Program Yourself Thin Podcast with your host, Jim Katsoulis. I'm gonna show you how to master your weight once and for all. Start using powerful mindset-focused strategies to lose weight and live in the body of your dreams. Tune in each week for new episodes. Hey, this is Jim Katsoulis with the Program Yourself Thin Podcast, and today we're gonna talk about how to reduce soda consumption um, because for so many people, this is a real challenge, and it can be a real barrier to losing the weight that you want to lose. And so we'll, we'll kind of go in depth with it and hopefully get you some strategies that are going to help you. Uh, so the first thing I like to do, and really this is how I approach changing behavior in general, is that we want to shift our perceptions. When we change how we think about something, a lot of times we automatically change the association that we have to it. And so the first thing I like to do is think about soda as liquid candy and what I mean by that is that it has absolutely no nutrients in it. Now, candy and liquid candy both have their place. When they're used properly, they're fun, right? They, they add enjoyment to life and they're, they're a, a fun part of being a person in this day and age. Um, but we want to think of it as a candy so that we know that we're going to use it appropriately. So again, it's a liquid candy. It's liquid sugar that has no nutrients in it. And so that's how you want to start to think about it all the time. And I want to make crystal clear, I want to say this one more time. That doesn't mean you can never consume it, okay? You may find that you don't want to drink it at all, and that, that's fine. We're going to talk about some of the strategies you have available to you. Um, but the first step is changing your perception of it, right, and, and start to realize that it truly is just liquid sugar. It's liquid candy. And the other big thing about sh- soda that, that you really have to understand is that it's basically hidden calories, okay, because your brain doesn't process soda calories like it does food calories. Think about this for a second. Over the millions of years of evolution, there was no liquid calorie drink. It didn't, it didn't exist. You know, there was food and there was no such thing as soda that, that existed. So our brains evolved um, without soda. And so a lot of times our brains don't um, register the calories that we're getting from the soda, you know, which makes it very insidious. Because again, we don't feel those extra calories. So you have to become aware of them. You have to kind of almost like evolve your own brain to recognize the, the calorie level of these sodas to, to catch up with it. Um, it makes being healthy and controlling your weight much, much harder. Just because, again, we're going to go to some of the details of it. And, and I'm not going to bang you over the head with how bad it is for you. I, that doesn't work in creating change. Um, but it is important to understand the effect it does have on your body. And it makes controlling your health and your weight much, much harder for reasons that we're going to talk about. Um, sugar is not your friend. <laughs> we, we all at this point have been raised in a culture that really glorifies sugar, you know, in a lot of ways. And sugar in a lot of times becomes th- this feeling like it's our friend, right? L- like we can rely on it. It's got this youthful energy around it. We ate lots of it when we were kids. Um, it's fun. It's bright colors. And so we have to consistently remind ourselves that sugar is not our friend. Um, it's kind of the enemy of us getting control of our peak level of health and the weight that we want a lot of times. Uh, It's an addiction because it's a drug, right? And and I mean that very specifically, right? Sugar is not some natural thing that you would just find out in in nature. Um, It is something that grows in certain areas of the world and then has been tremendously refined down to be a very concentrated form, Okay not too much different than cocaine, right? Again, you can chew coca leaves and get a a tiny fraction of the effect that um, powdered cocaine will have on you. Um, So the the real, when cocaine becomes a drug-like substance, when it becomes a drug, it's when it's concentrated down, all right? And so sugar, it's very similar. It's the concentrated down factor of it that, that makes it a problem. And it literally, concentrated sugar affects our brain in very similar ways. It lights up very similar pleasure centers in our brain that cocaine does, okay? So it literally is a drug. And again, I don't say that to you. I know some people may bristle at that. They don't like to hear that. But if we're ever gonna have any control over this, any ability to, to really master our health and our weight, we've gotta see things for what they are. And sugar operates very much like a drug. Now, I wanna be clear. I think of it like a drug, but I still use it. But I use it responsibly. I'm very, very respectful of it, 
Okay. And I'm very careful with it because it can very easily and quickly hijack our brain and our body. And next thing you know, we're over consuming it. Okay. But it does act like a drug in our bodies. Um, I like to talk about when it comes to addictive type substances, we want to recognize kind of the small monster, big monster. And what this refers to is the small monster is the physical addiction. So most substances, the physical addiction is much smaller than the psychological addiction. And that is very true when it comes to soda. And as we're going to, we're going to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to talk about how uh, you have certain times and places when you're drinking sodas. And it's those associations and anchors to those times and places that's going to be the hardest part of changing your soda consumption. The, you know, again, the, the physical effects of the withdrawal of it um, are minor compared to the psychological withdrawals of it and finding out new behaviors we can have in their place. Okay, but we will talk about how to do that. Um, and again, as I said, we don't just want to avoid sugar or, or soda specifically. Um, so often I think it, it's a mistake, I think, to say, that's it, no more, no more soda. Because if we don't change the perception of how we think about soda, then unconsciously we're always wanting it and craving it. And so the easiest way to create change is to shift your perception. Because again, if you start to think of soda as a drug, if you start to think of it as a liquid candy, if you start to think of it as liquid sugar that has no nutrient value, all of a sudden you start to change the perception and the feelings that you have towards it. And that makes it easier to say no to it. It's very difficult to just say, that's it, I'm just not going to drink it anymore, while unconsciously we're craving it and want it and don't think anything bad about it. Okay, so again, one of the secrets of creating long-term permanent changes in your behavior is to focus on changing the way you perceive that behavior first and then work on changing it. That, that will make it much, much easier. And that's what a lot of what we're going to talk about here is about. It's about changing the way you think about soda and sugar in general. So um, one, one last thing I want to mention before we get into it is that I want you to be persistent, but I also want you to be gentle with yourself, Okay. You know, this, is, this is the thing that frustrates me the most about weight loss and our culture is it's this idea that once you learn what you should do, you should just be able to do it. And that is just not how change works, especially with addictive types of substances. Okay, so I want you to be gentle with yourself, but I also want you to be persistent. And we'll talk about specific ways to do that. Um, but please be gentle with yourself. Change is difficult. And we really minimize it in this culture and just make it seem like a willpower thing. And if you know it's bad, you just shouldn't do it. But it's obviously a lot more complex than that, right? Everyone you know, all of us do things we shouldn't be doing, okay? So um, it's not about judging yourself and feeling bad about yourself. It's about being persistently working in the directions you want to go and recognizing that it's not just a simple, oh, I'm just going to do it. It's, it takes a persistence. There's mistakes we learn from, we keep growing and evolving. And that's why persistence is crucial. And the best way to make that happen is to also be gentle with ourselves. Again, when you see someone you love working to make a change in their life, you're very supportive and gentle and encouraging. When it comes to when we're making, trying to make our own changes, we're usually much, much harsher with ourselves. Okay, so I just want to remind you, please be gentle with yourself, okay? Um, give yourself the time it, it takes to accomplish this. So let's talk a little bit about sugar. Um, specifically, sugar as we know it, right, table sugar is called sucrose, and it is half glucose, half fructose, all right? That, that's the chemical composition of it. Now, the glucose half of sugar can be used by all the cells of the body, right? All the food we eat is broken down into glucose, and the cells of our body use it, right? The fructose half of sugar can only be used by the liver, all right? Um, now, when we drink soda, when we consume a lot of sugar, there's a tsunami effect of glucose on the body, okay? So when we consume a lot of sugar, half of it goes almost directly because, again, it's been very, very um, processed down to a concentrated form that very quickly enters our bloodstream as glucose, okay? And it creates this tsunami effect on our body, specifically on our blood sugar. That's why the blood sugar spikes, you know, after we eat, and it spikes quicker typically, after we've eaten sugar, because again, it goes, it goes much quicker into our body. Um, this triggers your body, once this glucose goes into the blood at a high level, this triggers your body to release lots of insulin to clear the glucose out of the blood into the cells of the body, okay? Now, if we do this consistently, if we're consistently dumping lots of um, sugar or glucose into our bloodstream, and we're releasing lots of insulin in response to it, as we keep this up, eventually the cells become resistant to the insulin, 
Okay, you can think of insulin as almost like a key that unlocks the cells so that the glucose can be put in there. Okay, and eventually, if we keep going through this process of um, flooding our blood with uh, sugar and then dumping the insulin, the cells eventually kind of become resistant to it. All right, and this is what leads to insulin resistance. All right, um, now one thing I want to point out here is this idea of tsunami effect, right? Because this is very important. Um, it's just like if you imagine your the town or city that's closest to you. If there's a steady amount of rainfall, then the system can handle it, right? Because again, it, it doesn't overwhelm it. Um, when there's a tsunami, it's when all of it comes at once, that's what overwhelms the, the structure of the city. It's the tsunami effect of it. And so a lot of times in our body, with the sugar that we have now, we're putting so much in our body at once, it is a tsunami effect like effect. So it's not just the amount of sugar that you're consuming, it's the fact that you consume it and it quickly is being absorbed into the, the system and the system has to deal with this all at once. Okay, so that's an extra problem here. Um, now the other side of, again, so we talk about glucose, the other half of sugar is the fructose. And so there's a tsunami effect of fructose all of a sudden in the body when we consume sugar. And this, again, the, the, the fructose can only be used by the liver so the liver all of a sudden has to process this huge amount of fructose at once. And this can lead to ex excess fat production by the liver um, and can lead to liver insulin resistant and can contribute to metabolic syndrome. And we're actually seeing now a huge increase in cases of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Okay, And this is directly related to consuming lots of sugar. And again, half that sugar is fructose and our liver has to deal with it. And so you know, this is a relatively new um, phenomenon, relatively new disease. <clears throat> it used to just be fatty liver disease from, you know, from alcoholics. And so now it's become this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease from people consuming too much sugar over a long period of time. Okay. So sugar can be very, very damaging to our bodies for these specific reasons. Now, um, recommended sugar intake, right? So the recommended sugar intake, uh, in the USA is for men, 150 calories per day, which is about nine teaspoons. And for women, it's 100 calories per day or six teaspoons. Now, that's in the USA. The World Health Organization suggests half of that. Okay, so, so take or leave whatever you want to get your, your recommendations from. But that's a baseline that we want to start with. So men, 150 calories. Women, 100 calories of sugar. And the World Health Organization suggests half of that. A 12-ounce can of Coke has 150 calories, 39 grams, nine teaspoons. So basically, a 12-ounce can of Coke is going to meet um, the men's recommended sugar intake for the entire day, okay? And it's gonna go over um, what they recommend for women, all right? So what we're trying to say here is that one can of soda is gonna meet it or exceed it if you're a woman, right? So that's why we gotta get the soda drinking under control because it's just a huge source of sugar, and again, it's a sugar that's very, very quickly absorbed into the body, all right? So why is soda so addictive? This is really important. The neurons in the brain that are stimulated by taste and other properties of highly palatable food are part of the opioid circuitry, our pleasure centers, okay? And so when we drink soda, our brain pleasure centers are triggered. Again, this is the same part of our brain that's triggered by um, cocaine or even heroin, okay, or opioid-type um, chemicals. And so the opi opioids produced from drinking high sugar sodas can relieve pain, stress, and calm us down, okay? So there is a drug-like impact on our bodies and minds. It's not just some imagination thing, right? It's literally like a drug. It reacts in our body like that. And so if we're stressed out, um, you know what I mean, or, or we're in some sort of emotional or physical pain, the soda can literally make us feel better, right? It's almost like a pain reliever, Literally, right? And that's how we want to start to think about this. Um, there are real physical things going on here. And so in addition to that, because of a lot of the marketing, the way that these sodas are packaged, by strengthening our sense of anticipation, dopamine gets us to engage in a complex suit of, pers of pursuit and acquisition, which is just seek and acquire behaviors so we can recapture the remembered pleasure of the soda. And so this is where it gets tricky because we're constantly bombarded with cues, right? Cues are seeing a Coca-Cola machine or any soda machine, um, seeing a soda ad, okay? So we see these ads and they literally get our brain to start anticipating dopamine once we get that, once we get that soda in our hand, okay? So notice this, this is a fascinating aspect of our brain is that we have more wiring in our brain anticipating a soda. We, we, so we have more wire in our brain for pleasure 
in anticipation of the soda than we do have wiring for when we're actually consuming it. And this goes back evolutionarily because we needed more motivation to for seeking behaviors. Once we had the food in front of us, we, we knew we were going to eat it. That was the easy part. The hard part was getting us to take action to get the, the food evolutionarily. So now we still have that same wiring today. And so when we see these ads, when we have these cues and these different reminders for different sodas, they trigger our brains to get fixated and focused on soda until we get it. Okay, your brain literally gets seeking, it gets, it gets dialed in and focused in on getting a soda. Okay, so it's very, very addictive physically and psychologically. It's really something to deal with. So this is why I say, by the way, please be gentle with yourself. You know, this is, again, I'm not trying to say soda is cocaine, right? They're not, they're not the same. They don't have the same effect. One's way worse than the other. The cocaine's way worse than the soda um, in the short term. But the, the soda is also very, very damaging to our body. So we have to recognize what we're up against here. And we need to be gentle and persistent with ourselves. So I just want to reinforce that, remind you of that. So when we study how food engineers have have identified five key influences on food's irresistibility, and they develop and build food products around this, okay? And sodas are, are considered a food product. Um, so the first influence is calories. Our brain loves calories. Again, our brain evolved in a natural setting where calories were unpredictable. And so anytime we could find something with a lot of calories in it, our brain lights up, okay? And it does that to this day. And so there's calories in soda. Flavor hits, Okay, so strong flavors, a lot of times those strong flavors were associated with calories. And so flavor um, triggers our brain as well. Our brain really likes it. Ease of eating. Okay, so um, how easy something is to eat. That's why you'll notice a lot of um, like Cheetos uh, and, and things that are kind of like real, like you put them in the mouth, they almost melt, right? They just disappear. So the easier they are to eat, it's more irresistible. Our brain just loves it. Uh, meltdown, the way the foods melt down in, in our mouth, right? The way that we experience the flavors has a huge impact on how irresistible we find them, okay? And then finally, the early hits. And so soda has all of these, right? Again, leading to its ir irresistibility. And, and so it is a real thing that we're dealing with here. Now, some effects of sugar overconsumption, again, I said I wasn't gonna bang you over the head with this stuff, but you gotta recognize um, what the, the, the studied validated effects of sugar overconsumption are. Now, sugar overconsumption, okay? So if you're drinking one can of soda and that's the only sugar you have all day, then you're probably not overconsuming sugar, right? Because that, that kind of meets the requirements they mentioned. Um, if you are consuming a couple cans of soda, you're probably overconsuming sugar. A can of soda and other sugar sources, you're probably overconsuming. So this is really important to recognize what some of the risks are. Obviously, one of the first ones is an increased risk of obesity, okay? Because, again, we can have 150, 200 calories of soda, but our brain doesn't measure it as such, right? 150 calories of cookies is going to satisfy our body more than 150 calories of soda, okay? So clearly, the sugar uh, does not, especially with soda, it can lead to obesity risks, Okay, and it also influences the way our body operates. Type two diabetes. Again, that's what we're talking about. So even we're just talking when you have this tsunami effect of sugar going into your body, it leads to it encourages insulin um, resistance, and then that is what leads to type two diabetes. Okay, so again, our body just kind of gets resistant to the insulin, and that leads to more problems. Right. So again, we want to be careful with that. A heart disease. Right? So again, sugars um, directly impact heart disease, cavities in your teeth, right? um, certain cancers, right? increased wrinkles. Again, it affects our, our skin just like smoking, right? It impacts skin. You know, have you ever seen those pictures? Uh, fatigue, okay? it wears us down, consuming a lot of sugar. It takes a lot for our body to manage the sugar, you see? So it leads to fatigue, right? So what about diet soda? I always hear that. Um, the first thing to understand is that diet soda is just as addictive in a lot of ways, right? For the same reason we talked about. Uh, it has less calories, okay? So that there is that. Um, but, but the flavor hits, the meltdown, the ease of eating. Um, these things are right there as well, okay? And so, again, it, it can be very addictive as well, although a little bit less addicting than, than regular soda. Um, it has less calories and sugar than regular soda, 
Okay, so that is definitely an improvement. Uh, again, I don't like to see things in black and white. You know, I think everything's on a spectrum. And so if you're moving from soda to diet soda, that is probably a better thing to do just because of this, right? Just simply because there are less calories in it and there's less sugar in it. Okay, so, so that's probably a beneficial thing. Um, but then there's the artificial sweeteners that they use. Okay, and, and so on average, they're 200 to 13,000 times sweeter than sugar. And um, this is something that you really want to think about, you know, because, you know, again, I always talk a lot about holistic, looking at things holistically. And if you're constantly putting things on your tongue that are 200 to 13,000 times sweeter than sugar, you're calibrating your tongue for very unnatural flavor profiles, which is another way to say that if you're consistently consuming these really sweet drinks, even if there's no, no calories in it, you're conditioning your tongue to want these very um, enhanced flavors. And what that means is when it gets time to eat vegetables or fruits or natural whole foods that are the healthiest for you, they taste extremely bland and boring to you and they're way less appealing, you see? So that is probably my personal, my biggest problem with, with artificial sweeteners and diet soda. Yes, the calorie part's better, but I think if you zoom out and look at the big picture, I think it can... It can, doesn't guarantee it, but it can absolutely encourage you to find natural, whole, regular natural flavors less appealing. And, and that can turn to be a big problem, okay? Um, several observational studies have found using artificial sweeteners and drinking high amounts of diet soda is associated with an increased risk of obesity and metabolic syndrome, okay? And I think one of the reasons for that may be that in nature, if you eat something that's sweet, if you taste something sweet on your tongue, typically there's going to be calories coming in, right? And so your body, again, is a whole system. And so it, it senses that there's sugar and your body starts to prepare to digest food, right? It prepares for calories coming in. So all of a sudden when you're getting this sweetness on your tongue, but there's no calories with it, it's kind of it's kind of priming your digestive system for calories, okay? And so, you know, it may, again, this isn't proven 100% yet, but the, the artificial sweeteners may increase your appetite because the sweetness triggers these hunger hormones, this hunger process, which again is kind of a complicated thing that there's lots of things going on. But, but the simple way to think about it is that as soon as your tongue tastes the sweetness, it kind of signals your body to get ready for some calories and to... Um, deal with that. So it may increase hunger because one of the things that stokes hunger more than anything, again, is variable reinforcement just in terms of behavior. So when you're getting the sweetness and your body starts to think it's going to get calories and then it doesn't, it may kind of prime the pump for your hunger. So again, if you've experienced anything like that, so that's what I always say is with, with things that aren't 100% proven in, in a lab, um, you take what they have found and then bounce it against your own experience. Have you found that? Do you drink lots of diet? Did you switch from regular soda to diet soda? And do you find that you're hungry a lot? You know, and, and maybe you are, maybe you're not. So again, everything revolves around you. It's all about how, how you respond to it. But if you do find that you get hungry, um, this may be one of the reasons why, if you drink diet soda. So again, um, the sweetness calibrates your tongue for less natural flavors. And that's my biggest problem for it. Because when you eliminate a lot of unnatural artificial um, flavors and sweeteners, when you make your, your diet more natural based, it's blander in general, right? So, so me, I personally, I intentionally reduce salt and sugar and artificial flavorings. I, I again, I'm not saying I never consume them, but I really work to minimize them because I want to have a bland flavor profile for my weekly eating which is much cleaner. Um, because when you start to have a more bland flavor profile and more natural foods that you're eating, you calibrate to anything. <clears throat> so, you know, if I eat a bag of, you know, one of the new crazy Doritos, and then I go and eat a salad, that salad's gonna be really bland. If I just eat that salad and I'm used to eating natural flavors, well, there's the flavor of the different lettuces. There's the much more different flavor of the tomatoes and the carrots and the cucumbers. They, you can appreciate and sense more of those flavors and that makes the meal more enjoyable. You understand? So, so flavor is relative to how you normally eat. And if you eat a, a high artificial flavoring and sweetening 
sweeteners a lot, you need that real dramatic flavor to notice the flavors. And when you reduce those, you can notice more subtle flavors. And that makes it easier to eat more natural, healthier things that help you control your weight and your, your health better, okay? So let's talk about how to change your soda perception, okay? Hopefully at this point, like, oof, I gotta, I gotta relook at this. That's where I want you to be. But this is, this is where things change. This is how I want you to do it. Um, I want you to start to recognize, first of all, well, why do you think of soda this way? You know, so, soda is a completely unnatural thing. And yet it, it's taken up this place in your mind that you think of it in a very specific way. And there's a good chance that you think of it as being youthful and fun. And, um, you know, it kind of gives you some energy. It helps you deal with stress, right? And so you have to understand that you have been exposed to maybe millions of commercials, soda commercials, always linking, always linking their sugar water, their liquid candy with youth, with celebrity, with your favorite songs, your favorite singers, your favorite athletes, with, um, you know, just having fun and being youthful and being alive and celebrating, right? So they've taken all the best parts of life and they've linked it to their, their liquid candy, to their sugar water. And it's, it's happened so many times in your life that it just starts to become that's what it is, but it's not. So it's up to you to kind of recognize that influence it has on us, right? Because all of us, <laughs> you can't be alive in this world at this point. I mean, it's literally everywhere in the world um, where we're constantly seeing their messaging and it has an impact on us because it starts to affect how we think about it. And I, again, we'll, we'll talk about it a second in a moment, but um I want you to notice that like even listening to this right now, your perception of soda is going to change, but you're going to find it if you don't reinforce this perception of soda as sugar water, as liquid candy, you're going to find yourself, even with this knowledge, reverting back to how you always thought about it, which is fun and enjoyable and entertaining, okay? Um, so what you want to do is you want to see the truth. You need to reinforce you don't have to just keep willpowering and stopping yourself from drinking. That's the hard way to do it. What you want to do instead is you want to reinforce what actually is soda. You know, it's actually liquid candy. What does sugar do to my body? Immediately flooding my body with this tsunami-like effect of sugar into my, my body so that, you know, I have to, again, your body goes into red alert is, is another way to put it. <laughs> I don't mean to sound dramatic. This is a part of the perception. We've gotten so... Um, kind of conditioned to think of soda as being this fun drink, but you don't realize it's like there's alarm bells going off in your body. It's as like there's a tsunami every time you drink it. And it is, it's a tsunami of sugar. And it's, it takes a lot of work for your body to deal with that, to clear it out so you don't get sick, <laughs> you know, and that's the truth of it. And so the more you can remind yourself of that and the more you start to think of it that way. Now I used to drink soda all the time. What changed for me is the way I thought of it. And so now I look at it in this way. I don't want to drink soda. I don't want to have that flavor on my tongue. I don't want all that sugar in my body. I don't want my body have to stress to deal with it. And that's how I think about it all the time. So I have very little desire to want to drink it. Now, when I drank it all the time, I didn't think about any of that stuff. I just thought about how it tasted good and it felt good. Okay, so again, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not just enough to say, oh, I gotta stop drinking soda. Oh, I gotta stop drinking soda. That's the hard way to do it. What I want you to do is take that willpower instead and remind yourself of what this drink is and what it does to your body, okay? Um, how's it affecting you, right? So I want you to think about, again, not just what it is, but how's it affecting you? Again, we talked about the instant results is your body has to go on red alert to deal with it, to clear it out, okay? That's the instant effects. But what are the long-term effects, right? If you're drinking two, three sodas a day, right? How is that affecting your weight? How is that affecting your health a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, okay? What is the effect that you believe it's going to have on you? You want to think about that, right? Again, a lot of times we just don't think about it and it's not your fault. You know, we're, we're conditioned to kind of go to sleep with it and just drink it. But when we wake up from that, so wait a second, what am I doing here? We want to take a look at this thing consistently and say, what, what am I putting in my body and what is the effect it's going to have on me in the short term and in the long term, okay? And what we're all looking to do here is to change our unconscious associations. We want to change the way we think about it. Now, there's a good chance that at some point in your life, you've changed an association, right? So sometimes people have done this, they, they were a smoker and now they're a non-smoker. 
you know, or maybe you used to drink a certain thing and now you don't drink it or you used to eat a certain food and then you got kind of sick and now you never eat it again. Okay. These are unconscious associations and they dictate so much of our behavior. So this is, I'm going to take you through, by the way. So what I like to use is a thing called aversion conditioning, and I'm going to show you a technique in a second, a a soda craving crusher technique you can use that will change your unconscious associations and the way you think about it. All right. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. I'm going to take you through it in a minute. Now, one other way to think, now I told you in the the soda, um, there's nine teaspoons of sugar, but most likely that doesn't mean a whole lot to you. So um, what I want you to do is I want you to think about a 20-ounce soda. A 20-ounce soda, if you can picture that in your mind, has 22 packs of sugar in it. So I want you to visualize and imagine a 20-ounce soda bottle in your mind, and then I want you to imagine that it's full of 22 packs of sugar, each soda. You see? So this is how we start to change our perception. You know, again, it's not just enough to say, well, there's this much sugar in it. Sometimes saying there's 22 packs of sugar in every 20-ounce bottle of soda. Sometimes that can make us feel a little bit different about it. Okay, so that's what we're looking for. We're looking to change the way that we think about it. Um, The next thing to understand is that typically the second ingredient in soda is typically high fructose corn syrup. Okay, and high fructose corn syrup is an artificial sweetener that has fast replaced natural sugar. It's cheaper. Okay, it's made by milling corn into cornstarch and then processing the cornstarch into a glucose syrup. Okay, and it's been directly related to obesity, diabetes, and metabolic dysfunction simply because right sugar is already processed down to something that throughout history we never had and we haven't learned how to deal with. Um, high fructose corn syrup is even newer, so our brain and our body we don't even know what the full effects of this are yet. They might be nothing, right? <laughs> but they might be bad. Right, this new substance that's relatively new, um, they may find has all sorts of negative impacts on our body, and a lot of times you have to understand it's not direct, right? So, so like something like cocaine, it's very obvious. Very quickly, there's a direct consequence of that. Okay, what makes sugar and, and high fructose corn syrup potentially so much more insidious is that the real problems of it, the real effects of it, take longer to accumulate. They're slower to notice, and in some ways, that can be more dangerous. Okay, but understand, high fructose corn syrup is relatively new substance on the block, right? And there's a lot of money behind it. So you may want to research it a little bit more, okay, and think about what you're putting in your body. A lot of times, the, the third ingredient in soda is caramel color, okay? And so in contrast to the caramel you might make at home by melting sugar in a saucepan, right? Um, you could make caramel naturally, right, at home. But the caramel color they're using in sodas typically is made by reacting sugars with ammonia and sulfites under high pressure and temperatures. Chemical reactions result in the formation of two, I don't know how to say this, methylimidazole and four methyldiazole, which in government-conducted studies cause lung, liver, and thyroid cancer or leukemia in laboratory mice or rats. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to say. Our... Initial perception of soda can be like, oh, it's just natural sugar and other natural things, right? We don't really recognize what exactly is in there that we're putting into our bodies consistently. And as soon as we start to realize it's sugars with ammonia and sulfites under high pressure and temperatures, and we recognize the chemicals that come out of it, things I can't even pronounce, what effect is that having on your body? You see, the, the more unnatural we make our bodies, the more unnaturally it responds and reacts, the more unnatural our cravings become. That's what I believe, okay? I'm not a scientist. I'm not a dietitian, but it just seeks common sense to me that the more artificial things we put into our body, the more unnaturally and artificially it's going to react and and crave things that are artificial, okay? So the cleaner we can make our body, the more natural we can make our body, the easier the process of weight loss is for, for a number of reasons. So let's talk a little bit about aversion conditioning. Now, I'm a big fan of this because I consider it like advertising for our own health, It doesn't take long to have a TV or a radio or internet on before you're getting commercials for these foods that are not good for you. We're bombarded with them. We've been bombarded with them our entire lives. So we have to start to program our own minds. We have to program ourselves for things that are going to help us, that are going to boost our own health. Um, So a couple simple things you can do, and I'm going to get to a technique that I think is really, really effective, so stick with me, um, is go watch some videos. Go to YouTube, go to Google, and watch a video about sugar or high fructose corn syrup is made. I was shocked when I watched how sugar is made. I thought they just tapped the, you know, they, they cut a sugar cane and just tapped the side and the sugar fell out. 
Nope. <laughs> You're not making sugar like they make in your house. It, it's a big chemical process, which again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with chemical processes, but what I am saying is that a lot of times, myself anyways, I tended to think that the sugar was a lot more natural than it was. It's a processed, concentrated substance, okay, that, that's very unnatural. And so it's going to have unnatural responses in our body when we're consuming it by the spoonful, okay? Um, look up some videos about what it's like to live with type 2 diabetes. Again, we, we know we're surrounded by a type 2 diabetes epidemic, but sometimes we can get disassociated from it. Sometimes for our own protection, we don't want to think about it. What I'm suggesting is that you face your fear and look at what the consequences may be for these behaviors, okay? Look them up. Um, use visceral images that matter to you. Google search tooth decay. Google search type 2 diabetes, okay? See what it does. Um, see what it could happen to your body, you know, if you don't get control of this. Now, again, it matters who you are. Maybe none of this stuff runs in your family, right? So maybe you're not at risk so much for type 2 diabetes. Maybe you're not even worried about that, okay? But notice what it does to your teeth, okay? Find whatever may be worrying you. What If you're listening to this, there's some something's in your head about soda and sugar. You must be a little worried about it. What are you worried about, okay? And, and, and take that line of things. Follow that line. What are the negative long-term effects physically, Right, if you continue to consume soda at the levels you have been consuming them, what are going to be the long-term effects physically a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? It's a great way to, to kind of dial in exactly what's bothering you or what you're thinking about, what matters to you. Mentally, right? Again, this, this crash and this, um, you know, we get this spike and then crash way of being. We, we get accustomed to it. We can get accustomed to anything. Okay, so are you, have you been drinking sodas for a long time? What is the effect it has on you mentally? That, that spike of energy and focus and then that crash of it and then that re-spike and then that crash of it. Think about what effect does it have on you mentally? How you think about yourself? Is it something in your mind for the last 10 years you say, I gotta stop drinking soda, okay? Do you wanna carry that around for another 10 years? Okay, what impact is it having on you mentally? And then finally, emotionally. And this can be a combination of them. Um, if you're not happy with your weight and you think this soda is directly has a part to play in that, um, how does that affect you emotionally? Does it make you feel kind of less than? Does it make you feel discouraged? Are you frustrated? Do you feel powerless? Okay. So how is this soda affecting you emotionally in the long term? Okay. A year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, you're drinking the same amount of soda. And again, things impact us differently as we get older. Okay. So, so wherever, however it's impacted you up till now, Another 10 years of aging and having that level of soda in your life, what do you think it's going to do to you? So it's not me telling you, hey, don't do this because it's bad for you. That's not going to make any difference in your behavior, how you think. The real secret is to figure out what buttons put, what, what pushes your buttons, right? And again, physical, mentally, emotionally, go through those ideas and imagine 10 years of drinking soda the way you have been, how's the you believe it's going to affect you, okay? Um, and again, how does it feel? I always like to say to people, um, the, the real, obviously to look forward to a soda and then to drink it is exciting and fun and enjoyable and those are great. But again, when we start thinking about 10 years from now, if you have the same soda habit, what do you think the effect's going to be? I like to ask, how's that going to make you feel? And, and talking about negative emotions, right? Does it make you feel depressed? Does it make you feel sad? Does it scare you to have this habit for another 10 years? Does it make you angry that you haven't been able to get rid of it? Does it irritate you? Does it stress you out, right? Does it make you imagine you'll feel exhausted if you kept this up for the 10 years, right? Are you nervous, scared again, right? Well, what the consequences may be. So again, I want you to separate from the looking forward to and the enjoyment of it that you get in the moment. And I want you to put that to the side and start thinking, if you keep this habit for another 10 years, what is that reality like? What do you imagine that reality to be like physically, mentally, and emotionally, okay? Now let's talk about the soda craving crusher. And so if you're really serious, now again, I don't start with this because for me to just like share this soda craving crusher with you when you're not ready to stop drinking soda, you, you don't, you're not on board with it, it's pointless, okay? So at this point, the only reason to go forward to listen to this anymore is if you're truly ready to start cutting down or eliminating your soda. And we'll talk about strategies to do that in just a moment. But here is a technique that may change the way that you think about soda forever. And 
you may do this technique and never want another soda again in your life. Okay, that, that's how powerful it can be. So here's what you do. Um, you get yourself a soda. And the secret here is that you want to drink it however you normally drink it. Now, you may consume it in different ways. Sometimes you might drink it out of a bottle. Sometimes you might drink it out of a can. I want you to think about your favorite way to consume soda. Maybe it's getting one of the containers you get from like a fast food restaurant. Again, it doesn't matter, but it's important that it is you consume it the way that you enjoy consuming it the most. Okay, that's the secret here. So you get that ready. And then what you do is you get that soda and you bring it into the bathroom with you. Close the door so you're all alone, no one can see you. And then what I want you to do is I want you to get your scale, okay, the scale that you weigh yourself on. And I want you to stand on the scale while you're in front of your mirror, and I want you to watch yourself drinking this soda, okay? So you're standing on the scale, you're watching yourself in the mirror, and I want you to watch yourself drinking this soda the way that you enjoy it the most, okay? So again, that's crucial. And you sit there and you watch yourself. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take a sip of it and I want you to hold it in your mouth for 30 to 60 seconds, right? And while you do this, I want you to pay attention to the flavor and the feeling in your mouth. Right? We've got to understand exactly what's going on here. A lot of times we go through a soda so quick, we don't really exactly know what is it I love so much about this. And so I want you to hold it in your mouth for 30 to 60 seconds and really focus in on the flavors. What flavors do you notice? How it feels in your mouth. And then notice if the flavors increase or if they decrease, what is your experience over that 30 or 60 seconds with that soda in your mouth? And again, this is that's for you, right? Everyone has a different experience. So I want you to notice, what does it feel like? What's your experience of holding that soda in your mouth for 30 to 60 seconds? Wouldn't hurt to just have a timer too to make sure you do it the full amount of time. It's, it's important that you do that. So then you, you swallow that one and notice what it feels like to swallow it, right? And how it feels to drink it. Next one is I want you to take another sip and I want you to swish it around your mouth, right? This might be something you don't typically do, but I want you to swish it around your mouth, getting like in between your teeth and all the rest of it. I want you to pay attention to feel it coating your teeth, your gums, and your tongue, okay? With, with the caramel color we talked about, the high fructose corn syrup, um, all going all over your mouth, coating all of it. And I want you to pay attention to how that feels, right? And the point of this, now I wanna be crystal clear, the point of this is to associate the true cause and effect of the soda, okay? So a lot of times we drink the soda and we enjoy it. We step on the scale, there's no soda around, and we get really upset and feel bad about ourselves. So what we want to do is recognize that if you, and now again, this, I want to make this part of it, if you're drinking a lot of soda and you think that's a, contributing to your weight, that's where this matters, Okay, because I want you to experience firsthand that it is the soda that is directly impacting that number that's coming up on the scale. Okay, if you're a person that says, well, I don't drink enough soda for it to affect my weight, then I want you to focus instead on how it felt in your mouth. Okay, I want you to feel that in your mouth, how it felt on your teeth, on your tongue, on your gums. Okay, notice the flavor of it. Sometimes the flavor can seem so overwhelming when we hold it there because so often it just passes our tongue very quickly. Okay, I want you to get intimately connected to what exactly is soda. Okay, get out of the conditioning, get out of the commercials of it, then get into the experience, the actual experience of it, how it feels in your mouth and in your body. All right. Now let's talk about a few. So, so again, you've done that. And you're like, oh, this is gross. I want to, I want to reduce. I want, want to get rid of this soda. Let's talk about some strategies and the pros and cons of them. Okay, I always talk about anytime there's a unhealthy behavior. Um, we don't just want to be like, okay, I'm going to stop it. I mean, that, that sounds great, <laughs> but um, one-step one approaches or, or just one-size-fits-all approaches aren't going to work for everyone, okay, because we're all different. So what I like to say is that basically it kind of boils down to you can remove, reduce, or replace unhealthy behaviors. So the first one is removing, and this is usually the fastest way. This is what typically we think about. Oh, I drink soda. It's gross. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to stop it. Okay, so it's the fastest one, but typically it's also the hardest one. Just kind of go cold turkey, that's it, okay? So um, again, the, the pro of it's fast, the, the downside is it's the hardest. Um, but if that's what you choose to do, right? If you choose, again, it's not my place to tell you which one to do. It's uh, my place to give you the options and to say, choose the one that resonates the most with you, okay? And to recognize that if you choose one that resonated most with you and it didn't work, that you have some other options, 
okay? That's where the persistence comes in. That's where the being gentle with yourself comes in. A lot of times, the thing we thought was going to work doesn't work. And so we have to tweak it a little bit, okay? If you adopt that mindset, you're guaranteed success, okay? Failure comes when we think there's one way to do something, it doesn't work, and then we think we're a failure. And then a couple months later, we try the exact same method again, it doesn't work, we think we're a failure. <laughs> and it just keeps repeating. But if you choose to remove, and you say, that's it, a cold turkey, I don't want to do it anymore, what I would suggest to you is that you keep reinforcing your new perceptions of soda, okay? So again, we want to give ourselves commercials for aversion conditioning. And so one of the ways I do that is, one thing I guarantee is I'm going to see soda commercials. So every time I see a soda commercial in my mind, I am thinking about all the things I talked to you about. The second I see them, I say, that's sugar, liquid candy. It's liquid sugar. I can feel it on my teeth, okay? I've done that. Right, So every time you see a commercial, you go back to thinking about that, that soda on your teeth, holding in your mouth for 60 seconds, that gross feeling. And you think the reality of what that soda is every time you see one of their commercials, okay? Um, that's how you stay, that's how you keep the motivation up to actually just remove it for good, okay? So it can certainly be done, um, but if you don't reinforce your new perceptions that you may be feeling right now, and certainly after you would do after the soda craving crusher technique, if you don't reinforce that, you're going to find your perceptions going back to what they were. And as your perceptions go back to what they were, your behaviors follow. Okay. So the secret is if you just want to remove it and that's it is to stay reinforcing your new perceptions of soda. So how do you do that? Well, every day, every day for the next week, I'm going to do the soda craving crusher technique just to really install it. Um, every day I'm going to spend 10 minutes watching videos about sugar and high fructose corn syrup and type 2 diabetes and obesity and, and sugar's role in it, you see? So again, you're reinforcing this new way of thinking about soda. That's going to give you the motivation and the support to just get rid of it, okay? That can help with it. Um, the next step is reducing, okay? So this is easier to do, right? So reducing is saying, you know, maybe you drank two cans and now you're just going to drink one can a day. Okay. And so this is easier to do because you're not getting rid of it completely, but it's harder to maintain because um, what happens is it, it can feel weird. The law of the land in your body is homeostasis. So again, the sugar, the tsunami sugar effect we're talking about, if you've been doing that for the last 10 years, it's not good for you, but your body has gotten used to it. And so our body gets used to things and then wants to maintain them, regardless if they're good or bad for us, okay? So um, a lot of times when we start to reduce, it feels just weird. Even though we know it's better for us and it's good, um, we've gotten conditioned to drinking a whole can of soda at lunch. And if we don't do that, eh, it feels kind of weird, okay? So recognize that. And what that means is, again, you have to keep, very much similar to the, the removing, I guess for all of these, you have to keep your motivation kind of primed. And one of the best ways to do that, again, use the soda craving crusher technique a number of times, keep it fresh in your mind, um, to watch videos or do some studying of the effects of what's actually in soda and how it actually impacts your body. Again, I talked about those chemicals I couldn't mention, I couldn't pronounce them. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to re research those. What are those and what what do they do to our body, right? Again, just, just really become like, like you want to stalk, you know, when you want to replace something, again, if you have a an ingrained soda habit, you can't just expect, oh, well, now I just heard this and now I don't want to drink it anymore, it's going to be gone. It doesn't work that way. You have all your old kind of patterns that, that haven't been replaced just because you learned this new information. So you have to work to replace them. And so one of the easiest ways to do it, though, is to keep yourself connected to your new perspective of soda and what it is, okay? Now, the good news is once you install it, just like learning anything, you've got to reinforce it. But once it's there, at, at some point, our brains just kind of get it, okay? So for like seven days in a row, you study sugar and soda and what effects it has on you. Seven days in a row, you do the soda craving pressure technique. You're gonna teach your brain and your body what this actually is, and you're gonna shift the perception of it, okay? It's a very powerful way to do it. So again, we got removing it completely, reducing it. Again, it's easier to do, um, but it's harder to maintain. Um, then finally, there's replacing. And this, personally, this is my favorite, okay? Um, so what we're looking to do when we replace something, let's just say, for example, let's use, well, I always eat, I always drink a soda at lunchtime, okay? So removing it says, that's it, no more soda at lunch, 
Okay. And, and that, that is definitely kind of hard. Um, but again, you, you'll get through it quicker. Okay. So after a week of not doing it, usually in a better place, you say, okay, I'm going to only drink half a soda at lunch. Again, that, that's easier to do, but it's easy to forget it too. It's easy to do it for a week while you're focused and motivated, but then next week comes and you drink the whole thing like, oh, I forgot I was only going to drink half of it. Okay, that's the challenge there. Replacing is my favorite because what we're doing is we're keeping as many anchors as possible. So what I mean by that is if you work to change your soda routine, um, you're going to notice that there are certain times, places, and situations where you normally drink it. And so, again, if we go with the lunch one, you might find yourself reaching for a can of soda and not reaching for it. It feels weird. So one of the easiest ways to do is to replace it with something better. And again, I think a much better solution than um, diet sodas is to get, again, if you keep a can, there's natural drinks that are like no calorie. And so that might be natural fruit flavorings, for example. And so what happens is you're still, you've got your hand on a can, you're picking up the can, you're bringing it to your mouth, you're drinking a liquid, you're getting a flavor hit. You know what I mean? So you're keeping most of the anchors. A lot of the behavior is exactly the same. The only difference is what you're actually is in the can going into your body. You see what I mean? And so that can be easier to do it. So um, one other way to kind of make that, bring that forward is to identify the reward and find a better way to achieve it. So um, say you drink your soda as a treat at the end of lunch, right? And so maybe that, that soda is not just because it tastes good. Um, it's not just because it's a habit. What it does is it kind of, it's like your time and you get to just relax and, you know, kind of enjoy and you look forward to that part. But it's not just the soda. Yes, the soda has, as we were talking about, has pain relief, stress relieving properties to it because of the sugar. Um, but if you can recognize, oh, I use that soda to relax, okay? Once you identify that, now you can say, okay, I want to replace that soda at lunch with something better. So I'm going to get, um, I don't know, my wife drinks these spindrifts. And again, they're like a natural soda. And she's actually used them to not drink beer you know, I'll drink beer on the weekends sometimes. And so we would drink like cans. And so she has this. Again, she's keeping the can. She's drinking, but there's no alcohol in it. There's no calories in it. Okay, so that's an easier shift to make. So if we go back to the lunchtime routine, if you recognize, oh, I always drink a soda at the end of lunch because it's kind of my reward. It's kind of like my relaxing time. You get yourself a, a better alternative, okay, some natural alternative where there's very little sugar, very little sweetness, um, natural flavors. Again, thinking about the calibration of our taste. And then what you do is you realize, man, I used that soda for relaxation. That was my time to kind of regroup before the second half of my day. And now you can look for genuine ways to achieve that sense of relaxation. So now maybe at that time where you used to drink the, the soda, you drink this healthier, natural drink, and you know that you used it for relaxation. So you give yourself a minute where you relax your body. <sighs> oh, and you just kind of, you know, I don't know, you could do this. Maybe you sit at the, you know, in your cafeteria, you go find a quiet place, you stand outside by a door, and you just intentionally calm yourself down and relax your body in a genuine way. And this is the real secret because, again, you, maybe you were using the soda as a relaxation, but it wasn't really relaxing you. It kind of felt that way, but you can accomplish a much deeper level of relaxation by closing your eyes and just taking a few deep breaths, centering yourself, coming into the present, you know, practicing some gratitude. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do with that, those few moments of time that may make you feel a lot better, okay? And then there's the extra benefit of knowing that you're changing an unhealthy habit, knowing that you're changing in a way that's relatively easy, a way that you're gonna be able to maintain for a long period of time. And then you think to yourself, what if I kept this up long-term, okay? And so um, let's talk about how to program that new behavior. We'll wrap it up here. Um, what do you want to do instead? So again, the first thing you want to do is you want to identify the triggers. We, we work in patterns. So your soda consumption is probably very pattern-oriented. You probably drink them at the same times, in the same places, in the same situations, same moods, okay? So you want to identify the triggers, and you want to ask yourself, what do I want to do instead? We don't just want to say, oh, I don't want to drink soda, okay? Our unconscious mind can't process negatives, right? So if I tell you to don't think about a banana, what do you think about? Banana. So when we think, oh, I don't want to drink soda. I'm not going to drink soda today. I'm not going to drink soda today, right? We're conditioning ourselves to focus on the soda. So we want to identify the triggers where we typically are, we're drinking soda and we want to come up with an alternative. Oh, instead, I want to start drinking water. Instead, I want to start drinking, you know, spindrifts or whatever drink it may be. Or, or I just want to eat a banana. Again, it could be anything that you choose, 
Okay, that's the key. And then what you want to do is you want to run it through in your mind ahead of time. And so you close your eyes for a few minutes, you imagine yourself in that scenario, and you see yourself with your new behavior. I can't tell you how important this is. Most of our life is lived on autopilot because we've already pre-programmed ourselves, especially when it comes to habits. When we have the same habit pattern we've had for many years, we don't have to think about it. We just do it. Okay, so we're looking to take advantage of that exact same process. This is the core of, this is the program yourself method in a nutshell, really. It's basically using your mind to program in new behaviors. And so this is a really stripped down, simple way to do it. Think of yourself in scenarios where you used to drink soda and now imagine yourself with your new behavior and see, think, and feel yourself with that new behavior, kind of program it in. Um, Play it through as that non-soda drinker you, right? Identify as a non-soda drinker. Feel what that would feel like. How would it feel to be that version of yourself? Imagine for the next 10 years, you were that version of yourself. How would life be different? Okay? So you tap into that version of yourself and you imagine yourself in these scenarios doing it. And as you imagine this version of you in those scenarios with your new behavior, how do you think? Right? Maybe you're like, I don't even want a soda. Right? How do you feel? How do you feel as this version of yourself? Maybe you feel like more proud. And I want you to feel proud. You know, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is kind of dismissing little changes. You say, oh, so what? So what if I stop drinking soda? I still, I still eat a bunch of candy. I still do this. No, you've got to celebrate every little step you make. You've got to celebrate, okay? Because every big success is the accumulation of small successes. We can't diminish and ignore and, and, and kind of beat ourselves up for just little things, okay? We, we have to stop doing that. We want to appreciate any little thing we do. And of course, stopping to drink soda is not a little thing at all, okay? I want to be clear about that. Um, it's a major accomplishment, okay? So if you choose to take this on, um, feel good about it. And so how would you feel if you went the next week with no soda? How would you feel about yourself, okay? Imagine what the whole month, imagine what the whole year, imagine what the next 10 years, no soda. I don't drink it anymore. I used to, now I don't, okay? It can feel good. And how do you act, right? Maybe you change up your behavior. Maybe you don't go outside with the smokers anymore to drink your soda, you know, who knows? Again, we all have specific behavioral patterns. When we change them, we're going to replace them with something new. And so as you imagine, this is the quickest way to do it, is just kind of imagine yourself in a scenario where you used to drink soda and see how you want to respond instead and pay attention to how you think, feel, and act, okay? And then play that into the future, you know, just kind of go into 10 years from now. How would that feel if I'd stopped drinking soda for 10 years? How would I feel about myself? What would the impact be on my weight and my health? How would I feel? How would I change as a person? Okay. And so um, I hope this helps you out. You know, again, as I keep saying, um, the soda, it's a real challenge. Okay. It is a unique challenge. And I could talk about this for, I know this has been a long um, podcast here, but I I could keep talking about this because this is, there's so many different aspects to it. And so that's why I keep going back to the idea that I started with that be persistent with it. You know, if you don't hit a grand slam right out of the park the first time, that's normal. Usually when we take something on, we're not successful immediately, okay? So don't let your, this isn't a straight line. It's not an endurance test of how long can I go without drinking it. Say then you end up drinking one. And you say, oh, I went, you know, four days with no soda and then I drank one. Oh man, I let myself down. No, you're now allowed, well, what happened in that situation? Maybe you got really stressed. Maybe you got depressed. Maybe you didn't eat lunch and you were starving. You just wanted a soda. Again, who knows what the situation that occurred that led you to drink the soda but instead of beating yourself up about it, I'm feeling like, oh, I did a pretty good run there and now I'm back to what I was. No, make the mistake and then learn from it. Knowing what I know now, if I go back in time, what would I have done differently? How did that happen? I don't want to drink soda. And so how did that happen? Okay. So, so again, be persistent with this. Just because you don't hit a grand slam the first time you say, I don't want to drink soda anymore, that doesn't mean anything. Okay. That, that's the, one of the most toxic parts of the, the whole weight loss culture that, that we're surrounded with is that you get one chance. And if you make a mistake, then you screwed up. Okay. It's not that way. When you make a mistake, it's, it's a, it's, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow and evolve into the person you want to be. Okay. So I hope this helps you. And again, if you have any questions on, on this particular um, topic, um, feel free to email the gym at program yourself then. Cause again, this is something I'm always looking to help people with. Cause I know this can be a challenge for some. And, um, and just one other thing, so many clients over the years, a lot of times the number one thing they're most proud of is that they stopped drinking soda. You know, it's right up to where becoming a non-smoker, you know? So again, I say that to you, so don't take this lightly. I think a lot of times people say, oh, I just stopped drinking soda. Well, there's a lot going on there, 
Okay, so be gentle with yourself and be persistent with yourself and recognize that if you stop drinking soda, it'll most likely be one of the things you're most proud of that you accomplish. And you'll be extra happy with it because it makes the rest of your weight mastery and your health mastery much, much easier because everything starts working with you as opposed to against you. Okay. So I hope this helps you out. I thank you so much for listening to this. Um, keep going with it. I hope this is just kind of the spark, the spark that gets you walking down this path. And remember that nothing tastes as good as thin and healthy feels. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Program Yourself Thin podcast with Jim Katsoulis. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to programyourselfthin.com to sign up for free tools to help you lose weight. And remember to subscribe to get notified about upcoming episodes.